0: Trust the only payment solution developed for attorneys and recommended by 47 state bars. Law pay. Thanks to social media, people who have little, if any, interest in being a celebrity can become internet famous in a matter of hours, often through none of their own doings. I'm Stephanie Francis-Warren, and on today's episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered, I'm speaking with Pete Wentz about what to do when your client goes viral. attorney. He's the executive director of the Chicago office for Abco Worldwide, and his work focuses on crisis communications and corporate reputation matters. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Stephanie. Happy to be here.
0: Great. So I think sometimes with the way the internet works, you know, Monday morning, no one knows who your client is, and then he or she will do something dumb. It gets filmed, and it goes online. And the next day, you could do a Google search for their name and like, thousands of hits would come up if that person reaches out for you as their attorney i mean what can you try to do to help manage what's going on or help them manage what's going on well what
1: typically happens often is that employees don't realize how social media affects what they do in their job and they often think well whatever i do off the job i can do and nobody knows so You know, there are cases where, you know, there's a case where an employee of a fast food company was hiking, and he happened to urinate over the product of his own company, and he posts on his Facebook, guess what company I work with? That goes viral, and it goes back to the company, and the company has to decide, well, what do we do now? And obviously, in that case, it's pretty simple. They fire the guy, Mm -hmm. so you know, you have to be prepared to respond pretty quickly, and companies are getting much more adept at quickly responding when their employees do things that clearly affect the company reputation.
0: So, and that's something, it's like, I don't know, it's gross, but I don't know how many people are going to... You know, so you peed on a a rapper. What if it's something? It's like you know, we keep seeing all these stories about when someone does something that's really racist, or sexist, or just in just crazy, just rude. And it shows up. And it seems like one of the things we reporters do is we Google them and we see their LinkedIn. And it's like, oh, they work at such and such hospital. And then it seems like all the time then you contact the employer and they're like, no, they don't work here. <laughs> but what can you, how can you manage that? Because that's how people are going to think. Of- yeah,
1: companies really have to look at putting policies in place to making sure that their employees know that what they do off time can affect the company's reputation and that the company can monitor that. There's a little bit of an issue because the National Labor Relations Board says that some of what they do off hours, if it's related to possible organizing activities, the companies can't do anything. But when it's racist or sexist or things like that, companies have a pretty free reign at uh, uh, punishing or terminating employees, and with rare exception, they do.
0: Right. And is there a way you can use social media to try and get your story out as a company or try to clean things up? I mean, I think we've seen some instances where someone does something very objectionable that's filmed and the company will say, we have fired them and put out the statement. And is it good to say, I guess you have to think about, well, are they, you know, is that going to be a problem? Are they going to sue me for that? Of course, anybody can sue anyone, right? But how could you clean it up using social media?
1: I think in, 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 Prior eras, companies would be pretty quiet about personnel matters. I think in in this day and age of social media, companies want to get out in front of this and lawyers want to help them get out in front, and they'll say, yes, we terminated this person for this reason. Even if they would face a lawsuit later, they're willing to take the risk of the lawsuit because They'd rather get their reputation protected by doing what they believe to be right and saying, if they sue us, fine, let them sue us. That's two or three years down the road. We need to protect our reputation, and that's how we do it, by terminating this employee, and then we take the consequences later, which rarely happens, I think.
0: And I think you're right. Until recently, they did say this is a personal matter, but now they're saying, no, this person has been terminated following this video. When did you start to see that? Happening. It seems like it's only been in the past maybe two years or so. I
1: think it's even it's happened. You've seen it even longer than that. And even before social media, I think companies really have started to move away from saying we don't comment on litigation and quickly found that that really wasn't working. And they really thought that when we were dealing rep- with reporters like you and they would be get a question about litigation, such as a product liability or something that they really decided that. We can't just say we don't comment, because that might be their only chance to comment. So they would say something like, if there's an issue here, we're going to fix it, or if there's a problem with one of our employees, we're going to look into it and we're going to correct it. And they really moved away from just saying we don't comment on litigation because they decided that if we don't comment, we look like we're guilty. And so we ought to comment and say something about our policies and about our our values. And so they started to do that maybe five or six years ago. And then social media made it a lot easier to do that.
0: So for people in work like you, how did you convince them? That it's like, you know, things are changing. You should probably put out a comment.
1: Well, we showed them some stories on it, and then we showed them some, there were some studies that show that even in litigation, business is seen right away as 40%. The burden of proof is already against business by 40%, uh, and then 20%. Are neutral, and only 20% gave business the benefit of the doubt. And so you show people something like that, and then they say, well, we probably need to start telling our story now. And again, I think in-house lawyers became much more sophisticated about it and recognized that their role was really to protect the corporation's reputation.
0: Now, the other side of it, how do you know when you shouldn't say anything? It's like that old litigation expression, stop talking, you're winning. That may not fit exactly here. <laughs> but I think there is sometimes, sometimes you should say something, and sometimes you're better off not saying anything. And, of course, it depends on the client.
1: It depends on the client. <laughs> it also, that's where the, there is a tension, actually, between the inside counsel who also view— their role is protecting corporate reputation and the outside counsel whose role is trying the case. And so there's often a tension between the two because the inside counsel, to some extent, has the reputational interest at heart and the outside counsel has the trial interest at heart. And so the trial counsel is worried, well, if we apologize or even go anywhere with this, are we affecting the case? The inside counsel says, well, you deal with that later. Let me take care of the reputation and let us take care of the reputation now. And that's where there's tension.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So outside defense counsel is like nothing is better than anything. And inside general counsel says we need to handle our client's reputation.
1: I think that's right. That's where there is tension that often happens. And more and more you see the even the defense counsel understanding the interests of the client in the reputation management issue.
0: Oh, how have you noticed, perhaps particularly for criminal defense matters for individuals, how is defense counsel using commenting and social media differently? I've noticed there's like a fair amount of blogs about celebrities. It seems like those are places to plant your client's story to a certain extent. If he or she gets arrested, you know, for like domestic violence or so. They have these juicy gossip bits that, to me, they kind of seem like trial balloons.
1: Well, you see that in part because, again, like, as I said, with the corporation reputation, mm-hmm. it's the same with, with I think, with uh, certainly with celebrities, but I think with criminal defendants, I, particularly high-profile ones, I think mm-hmm. when the charge is made, I think the presumption, there isn't a presumption of innocence. There's mm-hmm. a presumption of guilt. And I think what defense lawyers do partly for reputation and maybe down the road, or if there's a trial, is to is to protect their client's reputation and to be more forward than they ever used to be and say, you know, try to present their client's position if they can, as they best can
0: anyway. Do you think it's kind of a slippery slope, though, and I'm wondering if some criminal defense attorneys just really don't want to get involved in, you know, trying the case on social media or however you would phrase it, because it could backfire on you, too.
1: I think that's right, and I think some don't, and I think that's probably how how some defendants decide who they choose for their defense lawyer. Some mm. may choose somebody very high profile because I want that person to, to be my mouthpiece, if you will, in the public, and others may want somebody much lower key to do all of the work behind the scenes, to do what they can to have me acquitted, because that's really my goal is to be acquitted or right. to be able to to bargain it to my best defense. Others may want someone high profile. It really depends often on the, on the individual and his or her advisors.
0: For an attorney that maybe his client doesn't have the resources to hire an outside crisis control group, and maybe this attorney doesn't have a lot of experience, how can you Get your client's story out in social media when he or she is not looking so good on a budget. Is it impossible?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it isn't. It isn't because obviously, you know, if you have a a fan base and social media to some extent, free, free, you know, you you can often do that. The, The flip side of that, obviously, is that. It's hard to figure out where the facts are sometimes in social media. So if there's a fan base for a particular celebrity, you don't know what they're saying and you don't know what is true and you don't know how to quash rumors. And that's that's really the, the challenge with social media. And I think some of these high-profile, particularly celebrity-oriented cases is that you have TMZ and the other various gossip-oriented right. sites that pick up sometimes court pleadings where Presumably, yeah. you know, you know, there's there's information. Because their founder is an attorney, yeah. And there, you have really it's difficult to refute what's in a court pleading, and 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 so then if you have the other side has to really decide how they're going to respond.
0: Do you think though, and it's not just I mean, for the most part, sites like TMZ are talking about celebrities, but if somebody like Barbecue Becky from Oakland, I mean, I'm sure she was on TMZ, and right. she wasn't a celebrity before that happened. So they're picking up unfamous people's stories too. And I guess one thing to think about is it doesn't matter who you are, remember you can always be filmed. Right. And uploaded.
1: <laughs> but if you look at it the other way, I mean if you go back to the Ray Rice issue with the NFL, I think And know, then you get just tell us know.
0: and for me too, who's Ray Rice? Well
1: Ray Rice was the football player for the Baltimore Ravens who was accused of domestic violence and I mean the NFL in my mind did not do a very good job initially and they I think they suspended him for 2 games and they saw oh, there's no video of what happened he allegedly uh, attacked his I think then girlfriend or maybe his fiance and they saw oh, there's no video of this well TMZ found a video of him in the elevator mm-hmm. fairly brutally attacking his fiancee, wife. And then the NFL obviously looked terrible at this, and the NFL then suspended him for a significantly longer period of time, and he's not played since. And then he sit there and say, well, TMZ did a public service, and they did something that the NFL, with all of its resources, couldn't do. And it's just kind of an amazing story.
0: So should you assume in this day and age there's always going to be a video?
1: I think that's what everybody assumes, certainly in in those high-profile celebrity-type cases.
0: And if you have a client who's been arrested for something and it's gotten a lot of news on social media, even if that person is not high-profile, should you ask him or her, you know, where were you? Where could there possibly be a video about this? And then go check.
1: I think that's right. If it's certainly outside in the public, I mean, you know, there are you know, obviously video cameras everywhere anymore, security cameras, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, we obviously saw it here in Chicago with the recent Conviction of the police officer who Mm -hmm. murdered a suspect, and it was pretty clear from that case the dash the the camera that was on, and it was pretty clear as to what happened. Notwithstanding the story that he and two of his fellow officers said, and and,
0: that would be for the Van Dyke trial, exactly. Yeah. And what do you think about, I've noticed this, back to Chicago again, when you have aldermatic races, there's a good chance that one of the aldermen, well, both of them were on Facebook, should they get involved in the comments? And to, to what extent? Because you can really go into hornet's nest on those Facebook comments, I yeah, think.
1: We, we tell our clients not to do that. We just said there's no plus side to that. And it's the same with blogs, to some extent, because there are bloggers on Everything, and, mm-hmm. and, and you're able to do some research that shows which bloggers are important and influential and which ones aren't. And so we'll study bloggers and we'll know, for instance, if this blogger writes on a particular topic, the New York Times might pick it up. And so if they're going to pick it up and they mention you, then you're likely, you know, we do it for pharmaceutical companies. If they mention you, the New York Times will pick it up and you probably are going to have to comment. We had a client that one blogger was driving this client crazy, and we told them, you know, that's fine that they're driving you crazy, but nobody's paying attention to this blogger, so don't even <laughs> think about responding to them.
0: <laughs>
1: and, and they heeded us, but they weren't happy about it.
0: <laughs> Very interesting. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about public apologies did you know that attorneys who accept online payments get paid 39% faster on average than those using traditional payment methods? With LawPay, the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage Program, you can accept client payments online via email or in person, no equipment needed. Visit lawpay.com/podcast to sign up and get your first 3 months free. And we're back. I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, and on today's episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered, I'm speaking with Pete Wentz, a Chicago attorney whose work focuses on crisis control and reputation management for attorneys. We're talking about what to do when your client goes viral. So Pete, we have seen so many public apologies and some denials in the past year, particularly around sexual harassment and assault allegations. What's your advice on public apologies? Not just, I mean, for anything, because it seems like in general, the lawyer's point of view is don't apologize. But that seems to be not working sometimes. On the other hand, there's been some pretty insincere or you can't apologize and defend yourself. Well, you can, but it's probably not easy to do. Yeah, I think it's interesting
1: to see that evolve. I I, I wanted at one point to do a a blog myself called I'm Sorry, where I would kind of post all the recent apologies because Mm. sometimes you'll see somebody will make Uh, clearly homophobic comments or racist comments, and then their apology will be, well, I apologize to anyone who may have been offended by my remarks. Mm -hmm. And those are just so insincere that they really don't come across as an apology. So I think that, and what we advise our clients is if you've done something wrong, we do encourage them to apologize right away and then say what you're going to do to make things better, to make things right. Because if you don't, you're never going to get on the side of reputation, even if down the road that apology could come back to haunt you. So say you're a fast food company and somebody goes into your restaurant and they have an allergic reaction and they suffer a serious injury or worse, they die. Now you may have a good case that they didn't read your warnings or whatever, whatever it is. But if you don't express some empathy for them, you just look like a cold, heartless company. So what we would, you know, recommend is that you do apologize and express your empathy and reach out to the family. And down the road, you'll fight the legal issue about whether they should have read your warning. They'll fight back that the warning wasn't, you know, wasn't obvious enough. But who cares? What you've done at the beginning is you've shown that you care about your customers, which is very important.
0: Well, do you think it maybe is too soon to tell? But is it possible now that if a business apologizes for something like about a food reaction, it winds up as a fatal, that's not going to get in as evidence in the wrongful death case? I think
1: that's possible too. I'm not as conversant on the rules of evidence, but uh-huh. I think that's what the trial lawyers would say that it would get in, yeah. and it would be an admission of liability. And I think the answer might very well be if you're trying the case is when you're talking to the jury, you're going to say, you know, of course we're going to apologize for what we did and what happened to this this person. You know, we're a human company. We're going to apologize, and I think in your oral argument, you can talk about why you said what you said and, and, and then try to explain to the jury. Don't let that sway you from what actually happened and what the rules are and the legal theories are.
0: Do you think with individuals it can be seen as a sign of weakness or perhaps the individual would see it as a sign of weakness? I'm thinking politics aside, I'm thinking about the confirmation hearings for Judge Kavanaugh And I'm wondering if at the get-go when the sexual harassment allegations came up, if he would have said, I don't recall that happening. I am very sorry that the woman accusing me has gone through this pain. She says, I don't recall that happening, but whatever happened, I'm sorry. I mean, could he perhaps have avoided that whole second set of hearings and the investigation?
1: I don't know if you could have avoided the hearings or the investigation. I think it would the country would have been better off had he done that, had the Republicans done that and they started to do that and then they kind of walked back from it and and they Cuz it see
0: as a sign of weakness too by some people, right? I'm not saying that's correct, but that's what I runs think that may that head. may
1: have been right or a sign that they're I, I know you probably don't want to get too political but I that their that their <laughs> party leader who was initially empathetic to her was less empathetic, mm-hmm. and I think they took the lead from from him and became less empathetic, which can I think you, was unfortunate. Can
0: you show empathy and still be perceived as being right? I think you can show empathy
1: and being perceived as right by figuring out a way to say, and we'll take it out of that context, and, and when we can take it into the context. Down the road, if you assume, we'll take the the, the restaurant example, and if you assume down the road that this case went to trial and you say, we're really, really sorry that this happened to Mrs. Jones. It was a terrible tragedy for her and her family, but frankly, it wasn't our fault. And I think that probably goes on every day in courtrooms Mm -hmm. around the country where people are tragically injured and companies are saying – it wasn't as a result of our product or our actions or whatever. Um, it's tough, but I think if you're a trial lawyer, you have to say that way. You can't come in any other way, I don't believe.
0: Do you find, generally speaking, people who try a lot of cases that are successful at it, are they pretty good at understanding social media and how to use it for their clients, or are they... Kind of old-fashioned about it.
1: Yeah, I don't think that the trial lawyers—I think they pretty much disdain—excuse uh, me, the defense lawyers disdain yeah. social media. I think that the plaintiff's lawyers look for ways to use it, but I don't think anybody uses it during the trial. I think before the trial—
0: Oh, yeah, I meant in general. Yeah, in general,
1: yeah. I think the plaintiff's lawyers certainly use it. The defense lawyers, because they tend to represent companies and or doctors or whomever— don't necessarily want to make public all of their cases Mm -hmm. or even all of their wins.
0: Right, right. And if you're trying to say your client's gone viral and you're trying to get their story out, is there a way you can do it that's not just completely obvious? Because sometimes it's really obvious. Someone, you know, if there's a TV camera around, get out of their way because they're going to stand in front of you and, and talk. Is there... I mean, can you kind of do it not on the down low, but can you do it? Well, sometimes you can use third gently. parties to do it. Mm-hmm. So
1: sometimes that's what we've done. It's more in business-to-business cases and less in in, in individual cases where you can get experts. So if a ruling has gone against you, you try to get some experts to to blog and say – this was a bad decision. Here's why. It was wrong on the law, wrong on the facts. And so you try to, to build support that way. And so you're not talking about your case, but somebody else who supposedly knows the law is talking about right. your case.
0: So, And you mentioned before the break how you guys will follow websites and see like who picks up on their pieces and what kind of traffic right. they get. So it sounds like if you have – say you have an individual client who is going viral and he or she looks not so great in this and he could be facing criminal charges, how can you do a search to look for uh, you know, people on Twitter or the blogs or the Facebook pages or the Instagram to try to get who would be good messengers for the message you want to get out?
1: Well, there are various tools that we use and others use that where you can put in various terms and various mm-hmm. words and various media. And you can come up with kind of audiences that are following this particular issue. And then you can see who's influencing this particular issue or this Just particular person. on Google? Person. Or is it a it's, different it's app? It's a little bit more, it's, it's kind of proprietary software. Oh, that so enables, the business has its own. Yeah. We, gotcha. have, we have our own that enables us to go do some of that research.
0: Well, if you don't have that, do you have any advice?
1: Well, I think, you know, using things like Google and, and, can help you do that. You can just put in kind of some search terms and, and see you know, who's following a particular person, a particular issue, and do it very, very easily. You know, If it's a criminal law case, you can kind of put in some of the search terms and see who some experts might be. It's a little bit more difficult to get beyond experts to find individuals, I, I think that would be a little bit harder to do, and we would have we would have trouble finding individual bloggers who might be experts.
0: Do you know if for smaller businesses or individuals who have a little bit of disposable income, can their counsel usually convince them to hire an outside a crisis control group? Is this something maybe you should think about if you're just tied up in doing the defense? I think it
1: depends on the case. It's always worthwhile, we think, particularly if you're sued, to kind of get your position out there to not just to the media, but also to your customers and your consumers to make sure that they know that if you believe you've acted rightly Mm -hmm. and in accordance with your values and that your business is going to continue to go forward because you're doing the right thing and will continue to do the right thing. And sometimes... It helps to have a firm that does this work help you tell your story. And it's particularly true if you're a defense company, you know, being sued by a prominent plaintiff's firm, whether it's in liability or, or business that does want to you in know, a class action lawsuit wants to you know, get members of the class, so they're going to publicize mm-hmm. as much as they can. And so it helps you to tell your story if you can.
0: Do you have advice on finding an outside group that is good? I think there's some public relations professionals that you always pay attention to their emails, and there's others that just kind of um, take up your time, and that's it.
1: Well, You know, there are probably, I would say, a handful of firms that do a lot of this work and Mm. are pretty well known for it. Obviously, ours is one, but but there are others that that do it and have experience, particularly with companies that have been in, in litigation and in crisis. And I think knowing that helps partly because... We know how the attorney-client privilege works, and that's really important when you're in, in litigation because you want to work with the lawyers to make sure that you protect the privilege that they have. And, and if you haven't done that kind of work, sometimes you may get crosswise with the lawyers, and the lawyers really get would get angry if you do.
0: Mm. And so I would imagine it's also good. You don't want just someone who does public relations. You want someone specifically with crisis control. I,
1: I think that goes a long way to help, yes.
0: Okay. Now— Let's switch this a bit. Say you have an employee who's going viral for something wonderful. Like say he won, you know, he's like an American Idol finalist, or he just did something really touching that showed up on a video and is just going viral. How can you use that in a good way for your business?
1: Well, what we we do in those kinds of situations, obviously, is we would encourage our other employees to use their social channels to... Tweet or on Facebook or whatever else they would use to talk about this person's success mm-hmm. and to celebrate that, and not to overly link his work to the fact that he works for us, unless it was a company. You know, if he won a company award, he was if he won something tied to the company we would but otherwise we would just casually mention it we wouldn't want to overly promote the relationship because it was something that he or she did on their own we would want them to celebrate that so we might tangentially relate it to the company but of course uh, we would do it but we often encourage our employees when something good happens to an individual employee to to tweet that out or use linkedin or whatever whatever vehicles that they like to promote them
0: All right. And that's everything we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. This was great.
0: Yes. And listeners, thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard today, please rate us at Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of the ABA Journals Asked and Answered.